Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Off and running Friday afternoon Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. Richard Cross is off for the next few days, which means we're going to have a lot more fun on this show. (laughs) Figured I'd get the shot in out of the way. So last time Richard took a few days off, apparently he listened to the show, at least in part. And he sent me a text. He said, man, take it easy on me when you're not here. So that was the one shot that I'm going to take of the day because he's not here to defend himself. But I still had to do it. Is it though? Is it though? No, probably not. If we're being honest. No. What's up on this Friday? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, it's actually, you know, normally I don't do a lot of work on Fridays. Normally it's just this show. But today, uh, as we'll hear later in the show, uh, I talked to John Cohen today. Got a good interview with him. And uh, you know, Mississippi State had some recruiting news, so I had to do a little writing today. I just, a lot of work. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Recruiting news. Uh, so that's something that I must have completely missed. Uh, it happened literally 20 minutes ago. Oh, that's why. From what I can tell. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State added three-star linebacker Tamar Rogers of DeLand, Florida, uh, to their class. A guy they had been in pursuit of. He had been high on their boards, from what I can tell, for months and uh, decided to pull the trigger today. So makes uh, 11 commitments for the 2021 class. State needed some good news on the recruiting front. They'd had a couple of decommitments in the past couple weeks, but uh, got some good news today. What do you think about the idea? everybody's still going to be able to recruit. But when you look at Eli Drinkwitz and Sam Pittman and Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, let's just keep it in the SEC for the sake of conversation, what do you think of the concept of calling this year zero for those four guys? For, for Pittman, sure. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with that. They, they got a long way back. But for, for, for Leach and, and for Kiffin, you know, because they aren't, they're, they're known, their their names, they're known commodities. I don't think you can give them a, a year zero. You know, for state, I don't think you have year zero expectations at state with with KJ Costello in the backfield with Kylan Hill. I expect state to be pretty good this year. I think Ole Miss expects to be better than they were a season ago. They'd like to contend for a bowl game. So I, I don't know. You know, with Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz is such a uh, it, uh, to me, he's an unknown because. Only one year at App State, and he was taking over a program that was already built for him. I don't really know what kind of coach he is. I think he's a bright offensive mind, but Joe Moorhead is a bright offensive mind, and see how that worked out. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes with those two guys. With the two guys out of the state, sure. If you want to call them year zero, fine. Keep Leach and Kiffin to me. Dessert. They're in year one. They need to show some 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 good things this season. I had somebody ask me. It was either yesterday or the day before about bowl games, and my response is: before we talk about like what they're going to look like, the assumption should be if you're the SEC is to not worry about them. Just play your season so you can survive. Speaking of that, details later. It's out of the Big Ten, but you can directly tie that to the SEC as well. 
Uh, the details on how much money the Big Ten would lose if they don't play football this year are mind-blowing. A billion dollars with a B across the Big Ten would be lost just by the schools if they don't play football this fall. So that's they're, they're going to make it happen, but bowl game may be a different story. However, if we do have a regular bowl season where every game exists and the Big Ten only plays eight and the SEC maybe plays ten, you're going to have four and six teams making bowl games. I wonder how they'll, they'll do that. Yeah, will they allow? Will four wins be enough? Will they? Will they make you go five and five? You know, I, I think I think that makes more sense. Surely they wouldn't go four and six. I don't think they would do that. Got to fill like seventy of them. No, not seventy. What is it? Seventy teams point, yeah. make the bowl game. So there's what is there like thirty five, thirty eight games, something like that. I, I don't know what what's going to happen football wise, but I, I feel. Have you said make a prediction that you can feel confident about? Bowl games not happening is—I feel pretty confident that that's going to be the case. They're trying to limit so much travel. Why would they put all those teams on those neutral sides? I, I just don't see that happening. So we're going to have to wait a year for the SEC in Vegas. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just want to go on a record as a as, as a representative of Mississippi State. I will take the baton here and say that <laughs> they're going to—the bowl streak just doesn't count. Doesn't snap anything. Oh no, so, this shouldn't. Just want to point that out. I wonder if they do find a way. I mean, we so we saw a couple of days ago when we we told you about them. Uh, there was a a good story, positive story about the potential vaccine. There was also another one uh, that was released yesterday. That Oxford University study that we talked about in England. So there's one here in the states that is going very well ahead of schedule. There's also one in England that is going very well at Oxford University ahead of schedule. In fact, they are they've worked with a couple of. Um, vaccine production companies to where they think if this final trial that they're going to to go through means like if 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 it works basically they will have two billion made by the end of the year if it works so maybe that's what causes bowl games to happen for real or or not i don't know but that sounds good i hope it works i hope it works you're right i I do feel like that's the one thing I do feel like that if we got a handle on this, and we we were able to get a virus, uh, get a uh, a vaccine up and running, and we felt good about it, I feel like we could get back to business as usual pretty quick, pretty almost quick. right away. Yeah, I would think, but got to get there first. And Roomba would miss a huge opportunity if they do not sponsor the SEC bowl game in Vegas. Roomba like the vacuums? Yeah, have you have you not? Yeah, I'm sure you've seen oh, it. The uh, new the, Vegas the stadium. stadium. Yeah, it looks like a okay. the Roomba I like, Bowl. I was like, why? What's the tie-in? Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. You want to be a part of the show? If they are appropriate for air, I will read them today. Made you that promise yesterday. Uh, we'll play that John Cohen interview coming up at four twenty. Very candid. Um, he, he said, by the way, if you want some optimism today, that he's a nine out of ten confident that we are going to play some football at some point this year now he didn't expand his thoughts beyond that how much football but he did say nine out of ten john cohen thinks that we are playing football this fall so there's your positivity for the day he, he actually if they want to give away too much in the interview he he had a, he had a borky moment he went in on some people who, who uh are you know against the reporting of optimism Ooh, he, he was he was he was not happy about people who who downplay optimism. So for some reason, it's sports media, especially. But 
which is so baffling because you get to write about sports for a living. Why are you so unhappy? But the people that confuse or or combine optimism with stupidity. Like, if you're hopeful that things are going to happen, good things, that we're going to play football this fall and they're going to figure it out and the vaccines are going to work, you're somehow an idiot. Ryan Brown, who's on the show regularly, he's the brilliant Ryan Brown, um, after a couple of college football teams reported, especially after Kentucky, that they had zero positive cases when they tested the entire athletic department. They didn't have any. And Ryan apparently spent his morning on their show talking about how great that is. It's awesome news that you've got these college football programs that are testing everybody and getting a bunch of negatives as a result. And a local reporter there in Alabama went on a Twitter rant talking about how stupid it is because you're celebrating something that doesn't matter. Come on, man. It, little victories in a downtime are something that should be celebrated. It doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't mean you're taking things out of context. It just means that when you say, hey, Kentucky football having zero positive cases is a great thing. It means their protocols are working. Good for Kentucky. Let's all be like them. That's all that is. It makes you wonder if that guy who's doing the uh, the negative thing has kids. Like, oh, oh, great, he took one step. He can't even walk out the door yet, for God's sakes. Oh, oh, he said dad-dad? That's not even a word. Enjoy the small victories every now and then. Jeff says uh, earlier in the week, a friend of his sent him a text saying the high schools in Mississippi are just money-hungry, and that's the only reason they're going to play this year. And he responded to to say that they will be losing money by playing football this year. It's... In in Cohen's interview, I'm not going to give it away, but he touched on that feeling as well about it's not always about dollars and cents. Yes, athletics are a business. They wouldn't have them if they didn't make money. That's very true. They try to maximize profits. But also, high school football is important because it provides opportunities for kids to do something that's constructive and healthy. And if you take football away from some kids, they get into dangerous and unhealthy and bad habits. I've seen it firsthand myself. A teammate of mine got kicked off the team because he did something bad. Football was taken away from him, and he went down a really bad path. Now, of course, his decision-making led to the removal from the team, but football was taken away from his life, and there went everything. And he fell off. Yeah. I probably yeah, would have been different The, the structure it. that football provides for a lot of people is something they need. I mean, I play football, and there is stuff that I take from that that I still apply to my life today some lessons that I learned. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's important to get those kids on the field. It, it's got very little to do with money. They're not rake, raking in the money from those $5 tickets and the $3 nachos and pop they're selling at the uh, concession stand. Mr. West, to see your texts, we will get to those. A couple more as well as we move along the afternoon. 601-879-4395 at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. moving slow and so am I. Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. There is this story I wanted to get to to start, kind of slip my mind here. But first, but I mean, first. Cross isn't here today. Can we get some Van Halen or something going here? Oh, you, some, I, some Metallica? I'll spend I mean, a break getting rid of Buffett. How's that? Yeah, jeez, please. I mean, nothing against it, but gosh, it's every Friday. It is every Friday. Um, so how real was the Mark Hudspeth Mississippi State thing? I know people talked about it. There was a billboard. But was there any actual I don't think. There? I mean, 
when you look at who State ended up hiring, I don't think you can look at that and say that Hudspeth must have been very high on the list. He was definitely behind Leach. I think the Joe Judge thing was very real. I think Napier was given an offer, which that's sort of funny to think about now. The guy sort of bet on himself, oh, maybe I can get a better job at the end of the 2020 season. Nah, not now. You're going to be sitting in Lafayette for another year. Uh, unless somebody's just desperate to get rid of a coach. Um, so, I mean, was would Hudspeth have been – Hudspeth, to me, would have been like a fallback kind of guy. Like, look, we've struck out three or four times. Let's offer a guy who we know will take the job. But that said, I, I don't think that he was given any real consideration. I think that I think that, I think it started with with Napier. It went to Judge, and then after Judge left, they went straight to Leach, and it went from there. Yeah, the coronavirus has not been good to one Billy Napier. That's for sure. It's not going because... to be good to a lot of agents this uh, this off season. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be down a little bit. So from the Tennessean, Austin P. Coach Mark Hudspeth, who was serving a twenty day suspension for unacceptable conduct when he resigned back a couple weeks ago. So if you remember, an abrupt resignation, and the statement was about spending more time with his family or something, but it was odd because he was a double-digit game winner, something that doesn't happen at Austin P. all that much. Now we've learned a little bit more uh, about why. He was suspended without pay from June 17th to July 10th, according to an email that uh, the athletic director sent to him that was obtained by the Tennessean. Here's what the email said, or at least what was included in the email. Uh, Hudspeth was suspended for violation of two sections in his contract. Section 10-1-2, which says if the athletic director determines in his reasonable discretion that Coach Hudspeth has willingly engaged in conduct that is clearly contrary to the character and responsibilities of a person occupying the position of head football coach. Wow. Uh, they could have probably said that a lot simpler. And another section, 1018, that says egregious personal conduct that is responsibly determined by the athletic director or president to negatively, adversely, and materially affect the reputation or operation of our athletics program. Wow. It's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it reads like. Uh... It reads like there's some things going on there behind the scenes, maybe away from the uh, the office, if you will. And uh, Harrison, the athletic director, was asked if he was fired or he was told to resign, and his quote was, I'm just going to say that he resigned and I accepted that resignation. <laughs> That's probably a, smart, probably a smart move on his part. So when I first thought saw that, I thought, well, Mississippi State kind of dodged a bullet, but I guess there was never really a bullet to to dodge nah, there. That, don't, don't, don't think so. But at the same time, you know, Hudspeth, the former MSU, he's an MSU alum and a former uh, assistant coach here. So it's it's newsworthy, I guess. Going to the text line. The, the guy who took over for him is a former MSU, uh, I think a grad assistant, Marquise Lovings. So sort of keeping that connection up there. Nice. Uh, and that's where, uh, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Will Healy at Charlotte. That's where he came from, right? I believe that's correct, yeah. And uh, my good friend Chad Bumpus, former MSU All-SEC receiver, is the receivers coach up there. Oh, a little bit two-way Mississippi State connection there. Yeah, yeah. There's some, and well, he say that. There's a, there's a former former MSU punter, Cody uh, Shexnader, is uh, on staff as well. So, <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, Huntsman surrounded himself with some guys he knew. Yeah. You know? To the text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire does remind you, please don't text and drive. We want you to be a part of the show. Just uh, do so responsibly. 
We get this text every single time we talk about coronavirus and football season. Every single time. From a different person, every time. Everything goes back to normal after the election. There will be bowl games. This guy texted it three days in a row, so. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I think it depends on who wins. I don't if, know how much I mean, to buy into that. I, I don't buy it at all. But hey, if you're if you're thinking that it goes away after the election, you're kind of conceding that Biden wins. But that's a conversation for Gallo on Monday at six, or maybe me on Sunday. I don't know what I'm feeling. Mister West, uh, <laughs> it's up to me at that point. Yes. Uh, Mister West, uh, hey Dad, brings up the uh, messy goal yesterday. What was that like? Oh, he just. Uh, I mean. Messi had uh, had some some hard words for his teammates that uh, that they're not playing well. They they lost the uh, league yesterday, uh, and they're worried about going out in the Champions League. So he was very very upfront about his team and about his his ownership. Which you know he is one of those athletes, same probably as LeBron. Brady could probably get away with it. That can take on ownership and and say like we need to do things differently. Of course, it didn't really work for Brady. Obviously, you know they didn't. I know that he was super outspoken, but you know, he, I don't think they ever just added players to add them for him. So they did explore Antonio Brown, but they did, they did. That ended they, but they brought in quickly. Randy Moss, and and, and they, they 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 had some times where they would bring it in, but then basically over the last four or five years, they've just sort of gotten away from. It. But there, but the, the point is, there are some athletes who have that kind of uh, stature, clout, I guess is the word that can sit there and and, and say what they want about their team's ownership, and they know. Well, it's not like they're going to cut me. They're not going to release me. You know, that would be the worst thing ever. So, Mr. West also brings up uh, breaking news today. In case you missed it, Yasiel Puig, who it's funny, I was actually uh, talking to our Braves guy that we bring on occasionally about coming on to talk about the addition of Yasiel Puig. And shortly thereafter, uh, he releases that he tested positive for coronavirus, will not join the Atlanta Braves, will remain a free agent. So, it would have been good news, but now not so much. Wonder what, what, how that's going to work. I mean, why would you not just go ahead and, and join the Braves and then quarantine yourself and, and go from there? What what what? I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't see what the what what's the point of not joining the Braves? I didn't read it. Now he wrote a statement that I did not read, so maybe he addresses that in this. But I don't I don't know. My my thinking would be maybe next year you can get more money when things settle and, down. That might make more sense, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Will in Batesville says, uh, it's good to see that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC might be working together. because, And it, we talked to Ross yesterday, and it's still everything's still in the concept stage because they haven't made a decision yet. But I still maintain that unless they reverse course, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 might end up feeling really stupid when the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 strike up a deal and play all their games. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's. Go- I don't know if it's going to be all of their games, but they're going to they're going to find a way to work out some sort of deal to keep those rivalry games we've been talking about. And if they do that, they'll obviously allow for other things. So what's going to end up happening is, if I had to guess right now, I think states game with North Carolina State's going to remain on the schedule, and they could find another game in there, maybe with another Big Twelve school or something like that, where they they, they just have something to, to work with. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we might be a month away from the. But at the same time, though, Michael, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, great relationship, obviously, through the Rose Bowl. If they get to that point, they might say, okay, maybe we can do something and we could just work it out together and yeah. ourselves. I don't know. King Biscuit says Hudspeth pulled a Canizera. 
that is your you know that's the that's the the thought process that when you read stuff like that you can't help but think that yeah we existed for like two straight years in the most bizarre sports news timeline in this state <laughs> it just yeah yeah basically i mean since uh i guess what july of 16 or, or i guess july of 17 is that what that's where yeah, three, it was three years ago? Because uh, a friend of the program, Rob Fisher, uh, tweeted a picture of Hugh Freeze's last radio interview as the Ole Miss head coach, and it was one that uh, he did radio in Memphis for a while. Now he's just focusing on Grizzlies TV, but it was he and Brett Norsworthy and Hugh Freeze, and it was the last interview he did before he left media days, and then you know everything happened after that. Things occurred. <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning. Just leave it at that. Just how nice, it, how nice it would have been now that mostly all of that stuff is behind us, right? I mean, everything's kind of in the background, Mississippi, it, it, on a much smaller scale than what happened with Ole Miss football. But Freeze is gone, and his predecessor is gone, and the penalties are basically gone. They're operating at least under some normalcy, and Mississippi State baseball replaced their coach with one that is obviously doing a very good job. And now we could just start talking sports again, and then. Coronavirus destroyed it all. Yeah. We were going to have one of the most. We were talking about it. We we're going to have the most interesting off season ever, and we have. Yeah, but for all the wrong reasons. We were uh, just predicting it. Our ESP is just a little off. A little bit. Donald in Oxford said, "I bet he was dialing." Yeah. You could probably complete that text in your head. Mike in Oxford. Um. We're going to get to your text next, actually, because this is a story that broke uh, in the SEC. You might see some players opting out of the season this year, and they won't get penalized for it. We'll explain next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Coming up this Thursday, the 8th Annual Palmer Home Radiothon will be on these very airwaves, an event that I always look forward to every year, and this will be, hey, that second one, right? I wasn't at the last one though. I, I've been here for. I, I would have. I was on the team last year, but I was on vacation when this. Oh, happened. okay. So I just made my donation and uh, and uh, that was it. Today is the final day for one thing. So uh, all of you probably by now have heard somebody tell you about the Palmer Home if you listen to Super Talk every day. Today is the final day. If you think you have an item that would be uh, something that we could use in the auction. Uh, the silent auction that goes along with our Radiothon. Donate at supertalk.fm is the email. Today's the final day we are accepting donations for that auction. Uh, so if you have something that you think would be good for that auction, donate at supertalk.fm and join us on Thursday of next week, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., the Palmer Home Radiothon. It's really an incredible place. This will be my sixth one, and last year was my first year I got to see the place in person. And it is remarkable what they're able to do. And it's a place that doesn't take any government assistance. It is all money that is donated to them that they turn around and give uh, to, to provide homes and structure and, and a new life for these children. It's an incredible place. And you'll hear throughout the day the things that some of these kids have been through. And knowing, after you hear all that, knowing what you know about what they've been through, and you walk around the grounds, you feel nothing but just this positive energy and spirit that's really hard to describe unless you can see it for yourself. But take my word for it, incredible place. 
uh, you can be involved in the auction. Tell a friend about it. I know 2020 has been a really tough year for, for a lot of people, and Mississippi is no exception to that rule, but uh, there's a lot of ways you can participate. Uh, tell a friend. Donate if you can. Be a part of our programming 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Thursday the 23rd. And again, if you have an item that you think would be suitable for auction, donate at supertalk.fm. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey's Brian Haydads. Great to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Uh, Mike texted in and asked about uh, a release. So the SEC announced today that uh, they are going to honor these scholarships of players that opt out of the season. And Mike was asking who's going to pay for it. The schools, the universities are going to pay for the scholarship. If a player decides they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe, they're going to opt out of the season, the school is going to pay for it. Here's what the SEC said in their release. This is from Greg Sankey. He said, quote, SEC universities are committed to full support of its student-athletes, whether or not a student-athlete decides to participate in sports during these uncertain times. SEC student-athletes have frequently expressed their desire to to compete, but it is important for student-athletes and their families to know that the financial support committed to them by their institutions will not be at risk because of health concerns presented by the current pandemic. So you might see some opting out this fall if we do get a season because scholarships are still going to be honored. Now there's questions that come with it, hey, Dad. One I would ask is, what does it do to eligibility? Does it just mean they get a redshirt year, or does it count against their clock? I have not seen an answer to that question in particular, but it's one that needs to be asked, I think. Just off the top, just from a thousand yards above it, it feels like it's uh, it's got to be considered like a medical redshirt, you would think. That, that would be my first thought process, that they would just count it as a medical redshirt. And if, if you want to take it, I mean, if you're a senior and you decide to opt out, and you don't want to come back, they, you know. I, I think they'll handle it very similarly to the way they handled baseball earlier this year. They'll just they'll just give you the extra year if you want it. I I, I I really do think for like the next maybe two three years, they're going to have to talk about roster size and, and and available scholarships. They're going to have to just sort of put some things aside and allow teams. You know, football may have to carry up to a hundred and so on and so forth, just just to just because otherwise you're going to run people off who want to who who through no fault of their own. But I'm interested to see if anybody opts out, if any big names opt out. You know, I mean, the first name that comes to mind for me, for Mississippi State, and, and this is all speculation, haven't spoken to the kid or anything, but uh, Marcus Murphy, MSU's uh, junior safety, has a small son. I know that he is uh, in the past uh, – they 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 were looking for a bone marrow transplant, a bone marrow donor for him. So he is he's had a lot of issues. His, his little kid might be a situation where he he feels uncomfortable. So you know, it, it's not just about you know everybody's going to say oh well these guys are so healthy and you know they're they're young athletes. You know a lot of these guys maybe they li- they live with a, with an elderly parent or grandparent or they have a lot of them have children. So you know and if they have children who have you know underlying conditions they're going to want to try to be careful so good for the sec to make this decision it's certainly the smart one but i won't be surprised if a, if a player or two that you're not expecting that you're thinking oh well you know football player they're they're going to be fine decides maybe to sit this one out there is the the likelihood of somebody opting out just because they don't want to play i think is very small uh, you yeah. will it, the vast majority of players that will potentially do this they're going to have reason for it. These kids want to play. That's why they're where they are, is to play ball and nothing else. 
Exactly. Yeah, they, they want to play. They know that this isn't like the NBA or, or the ML, or MLB where somebody's been playing in the league for five or six years and they've got a couple mil in the bank and they're like, you know, it's just not worth the risk. We'll be okay. These guys are trying to get to that. So, yeah, if they can play, they will. But there will be some who have to make decisions. Uh, we get a text here from the 662 asking if opting out means they can't practice. If not, that would be a great way to get an extra red shirt for some guys. As I read this release, it sounds like if you opt out, you cannot participate. That yeah, opting out. out means you are out. Like, yeah, same, yeah. Same, same thing that's happening with the pros right now. Those guys who have opted out, they're not practicing. They're sitting at home. The, the reason you're opting out is you don't want to possibly expose yourself. Well, practice... It feels like practice would be just as bad a chance to do that as 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 the game. So yeah, if they're if they're opting out, they're out. Jason says uh, so. State or Ole Miss could theoretically still play a game in Tucson or Tempe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Mississippi State have future games in both, in both. places? Yeah, in the next like four to five years, both they'll they'll travel to Arizona and Arizona State. Congrats, Jason. Uh, Jason is a guy that's been listening to this show since day one. He's a P1 OG listener of this show. Uh, had to move to Arizona and still every single day listens to this show. That's the kind of commitment I wish my wife had. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, she's watching right now. Sorry, honey. I'm just kidding. Um, he said it. I, I, I said nothing. Ian in Gulfport just, uh, first of all, he sent us a picture or sent, no, this is to us, a picture of that uh, that lady in St. Louis, that her and her husband were were holding their guns in their front yard while the protesters walked by? Yeah. With Trump's face photoshopped on top of her face for some reason. That's disturbing. Trump with long blonde hair doesn't work. (laughs) I have no idea. No idea. Why that picture exists or why we got it sent to us. But hey, man, I, I appreciate you. That's 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 that is a disturbing picture. Let's not. Please don't send us any more of those. I, don't, I would prefer not to have that. Michael in Poplarville asks if Ole Miss and Baylor is still playing in Houston. So I I've asked around about that. As we know today, yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as I understand it, the likelihood of Ole Miss and Baylor playing in NRG Stadium in Houston on September the sixth is very small. However using context and other things, it certainly appears like the game is still on. As in, they are trying their hardest to play the game. But if you're looking at booking flights, I would wait before you do that because the likelihood of them starting on time, playing in Houston even right now, might be up in the air considering how hot of a spot Houston is. The likelihood of them playing that game on September 6th in NRG Stadium in Houston is very, very, very small. But I don't think the game is off just yet. Feels like if you were wanting to play that game, it feels like it's more likely going to be played in Waco than it is in Houston. They'll play on campus. I still think they should just meet in the middle and go to Shreveport. Why not? <laughs> Bunky Perkins Memorial Game. Coronavirus is not the worst thing you could catch in Shreveport. So stay there a few days, you can build up to mu- build up immunity to everything. Yeah. <laughs> Take your word for it. Brandon Ingram, um, the all-star forward, uh, used to be a Laker, now is in New Orleans. When he was asked about if he's worried about catching coronavirus, he, he said, man, 
Growing up, I was exposed to a lot of things, man. I'm not worried about catching coronavirus. I feel like I'm immune. <laughs> Where's he from? I don't know, actually, oh. to tell you the truth. I but, thought you were going to say he was from Shreveport. I was like, how do you oh, get that would be great. Let's see where Brandon Ingram is from. I, I want to say it's California. But he did play at Duke. He was really good at Duke. He's from he's from North Carolina. Yeah, Kinston, North Carolina. But he said, yeah, he was like, man, where I, That's funny. Where I grew up, uh, I'm not worried about speaking that. Of the, speaking of the Pelicans, we didn't talk about that. We need to get on that today. Zion out. Yeah. Um, undisclosed family medical emergency got him out of the bubble. And Montrez Harrell uh, is doing the same thing today. I mean, they use the exact yeah. same language, but most people are making the jokes because he was the only one that followed on Twitter. Uh, the girl that said she was invited into the bubble. So people are mm-hmm. making the jokes that Harold's leaving to to go meet her since they wouldn't let her in. But you hope that it's... <laughs> Let's that it's, hope it's not that, yeah. That it's nothing uh, serious with the two of them. But a few more of your texts, and we will get into that. I mean, the NBA catered its TV schedule around this dude, and he may not even be there. We'll discuss next. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, 601-879-4395 on the text line. We'll be right back. Michael Gorky, Brian Haydad with you on this Friday afternoon. As we teased right before the break, Zion left the bubble to tend to a, quote, urgent family matter, but he does intend to return to the team when that matter is ended. Here's the release uh, that uh, New Orleans sent to everyone, really. They said, quote, we fully support Zion's decision to leave the NBA campus to be with his family. That's according to David Griffin, their executive VP. He continued to say, out of respect for the Williamson family, we have no further comment. So that's all they said was, um, he's leaving to go be with his family. It's an urgent family medical uh, emergency, and that's why he left to go be with them. Uh, Their coach, Alvin Gentry, a couple players met with the media last night, all of which seemed to have... uh, They didn't say exactly what it was, and it's certainly none of my business, and I don't need to know, but they, they... we're talking as if it's serious. So uh, yeah. hopefully, whatever it is, uh, the outcome is as good as we can hope for and get him back on the floor soon. Yeah. When, when, is, when are the first games? They are on the 30th, I believe, and New Orleans is first. They're the first game to start, so I think they're Thursday the 30th. So he's 30th. got time to get back and, and be there for that then. He, he, they'll be yeah. fine, assuming he can get back quickly. And what he would have to do, so he has to take a test every day. If he wants to come back to the bubble and sit out or, or in quarantine for four days, he's got to take a test every day and they have to always be negative. If he does not do that, it's a 10-day quarantine. So you imagine the team is getting him tested every day no matter where he is. Yeah. But that's oh, kind I would of imagine, yeah. the protocol yeah. in place. They're taking that thing seriously, man. and it's They have to. They have to. Because if if – if we're like two days from now and all of a sudden 10 cases pop up inside the bubble, it's over. It's over at that point. They, they are going to keep this on as tight a schedule as they can. It is kind of – it's un, it's just unfortunate. It's bad luck. But it, ESPN and the NBA have twice now catered their television schedule around him, and he missed the first half of the season because of that surgery. And so New Orleans was playing national TV games, and he wasn't there. And yeah. they have catered their TV schedule here in Orlando on him and family emergency. He may not be there. Yeah, and that, that is that's bad luck for ESPN, especially now. 
Not that I have a whole ton of sympathy for ESPN or anything, but you know, you, you do. Right now, you're like, all right, we're finally gonna have some live sports, and we're gonna have one of the the biggest names, the biggest draws in the league. And now he may not be there. So, yeah, sucks. This is a network that's been airing old concerts for programming. Yeah. So they're, they're running. They need to call me. I, I have I have kept that podcast afloat in sports ideas for for four months now. Just give me a call, guys. Uh, back to the text line. Uh, somebody from the two seven zero area code asks if the scholarship limit or the scholarships that are going to be honored by these teams that have a player opt out come from the University General Fund or the Athletic Department. I believe they will still count towards the 85. I could be wrong. I just I yeah. think that would be the most likely process because it's not like it's a pro team that if they have three guys get injured, they just go sign three more. You have who you have for this year, so that's probably not changing. You know, I always say the same thing about scholarships and that it's it's sort of, you know, you're just taking money out of one pocket and putting it in the other. They go to the university. So the university pays the university. Yeah, one part of the university pays the other part of the university. The check goes from the the seal building to to Garner Hall. I mean, it, it it's not that big a deal. Like they can just go to school and nobody. It, it, there's no real loss of revenue anywhere. Aaron and so Gold, don't 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 get too caught up on that. Is what I would say. Aaron and Goldport asks, why are we talking about a football season when we can't even agree on whether or not to send our kids to school because we have nothing else to talk about and this is a sports show. That's one reason. Secondly, they're going to play football. So, Mike in Poplarville followed up uh, his question about Ole Miss and Baylor because I said, you know, don't book your flights. He said, I've got DirecTV, best seat in the house. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, David said, uh, Brandon Ingram's from uh, Kinston, North Carolina, like Bulldog great David Mitchell. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't know that. I didn't know David Mitchell was from there. Larry and Jackson is asking if they will have uh, companions in the bubble. Um, no. Be our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> but after, I think, the first round of the playoffs, they will allow players to bring their families. They'll have to go through quarantine and all that, or whoever they want. They will be allowed to have guests that Gosh, have to LeBron, follow. You have a lot of cousins. A lot of good-looking cousins. <laughs> Do you see Harden? So James Harden yesterday. Uh, this is the... And we won't get too much into this today because I, I just don't feel like doing it on a nice Friday afternoon. But barely a blip when it comes to anti-Semitism and stuff like that in sports and in the NBA and Dwayne Wade's tweet and all that stuff. I mean, people talked about it, but not really. James Harden wore a mask that he just he bought because he thought it looked cool, but it had uh, the, the blue line incorporated into it. Um, so it was a mask that was pro-police. And he has had to release a statement. And he has been chased oh, down geez. and talked about because is James Harden really supporting the police? Well, who who cares? Anyway, that's where we are now. Is James Harden wearing a thin blue line mask is covered more than open anti-Semitism. Welcome to 2020. We'll be right back. Some breaking news to start hour number two on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. According to Brett McMurphy, the SWAC will announce Monday it is canceling fall sports. Ah, hate that. Didn't say moving to spring, straight up canceling fall sports. I wonder if if that's just bad verbiage or they're really just not going to 
They'll play football. They'll come back in the spring. They'll have to do something, you would think. That does take away one of my ideas that, you know, if State wanted to find 12 games, they could easily probably put Jackson State and Alcorn on the schedule. But I guess that will not be happening now. That does affect Southern Miss's schedule. Uh, Southern Miss was supposed to play Jackson State. Um, probably a big ticket item there uh, at Southern Miss. Um, I imagine that. that the Jackson State fans travel to that game very well. So uh, that's a tough one there uh, to see. Just what do you think about it in this state too? I mean, what the, those games mean? Jackson State, Alcorn State, and Jackson State and Valley, and Valley and Alcorn, obviously, and the great swag. I mean, it's historic matchups there. It thinks in terms of college football, the Bayou Classic. You know what that means to for college football fans. I mean, that's that's something that I watch it. You know, every year. So it sucks. It sucks. Hopefully, I said the swag can get back on its feet and uh, back up and running very soon. In about 13 minutes from right now, uh, Brian Haydad had a chance to sit down with John Cohen earlier today. It's a really good interview. It's not usually – like, when you talk to coaches or administrators from these schools, you don't really get a whole lot most of the time. It's a lot of – and should be, if you're them right. – uh, a right. lot of pom-pom waving, which is – that's their job. This was not really that. It's well, it's not the time for that. You know? No, it's, that's what are we what are we talking? And I, I mean, I, I talk about that. That's like the first thing I said to him was, I really would love to be talking to you about just about anything else. But you know, this is sort of where we are. And the questions I asked, I, you know, I tried to get answers, you know, as best I could. Now, John Cohen is a smart guy, and he knows uh-huh. how to answer questions and frame questions and give you the answers that he wants to give you. But I thought he was he was very candid. And uh, until then, we'll uh, a lot of your texts coming in. I love this. This is my favorite part of, of Richard not being here, is just reading all of your texts. I mean, the show goes in 10 different directions, but I think it's fun. Uh, it's far less structured, and uh, Richard's a very good broadcaster. I think, and so I think your boy is doing something here, DeChambeau. Oh. I see a tweet here. He's gone full 10 cup. What's happening? He, uh, he hit three wood out of bounds... From the left rough twice, pulled the three wood again. Oh. Oh, no. We're going to get a snowman out of this? He's dropping seven. So he's about oh. to hit his eighth shot on a par five, and he's 300 yards away from the hole. Well, that's just a, that's an easy sandwich for him. So. He's having a full-on meltdown. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had access to this. Oh, the Golf Channel doesn't have online. Uh... Oh, I just I haven't had it up. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, no! It's on. What a mistake on my part. What are you doing? Oh Borky? my gosh! Oh man! Porky's gonna be on YouTube later tonight with a with a bowl of popcorn, just just watching this clip over and over again. Pouring myself a glass of whiskey. Tell That's that a kid shame, to be quiet. Man. I'm watching DeChambeau melt down. Oh man, that's a shame. What what he's done on the course though has been remarkable. It just it sucks oh, yeah. that he's got this attitude. Oh, that's terrible. I can't look away. I'm I'm just sitting here refreshing Twitter, hopefully hoping that somebody has a video of this by now. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five from the six six two. In your opinion, how likely are we to see more injuries as football season kicks off, since some schools cannot practice and work out adequately? That's a good question. I think because the season is very likely going to be delayed, that the players being in shape won't have to be something you worry about. Yeah, they're going to have time to do that. There's going to be, there's not going to be as many games, uh, I don't think. And uh, yeah, uh, everybody's on the same playing field for this too. So, I think it's, I think everybody's going to be okay. If nothing else, you, you think 
somebody who had maybe a slight injury in spring and they worry about reaggravating. Well, there was no spring. These guys haven't really done anything in terms of contact since, you know, for state, what, December 30th of, of last year, Ole Miss since the two days after Thanksgiving. They should be in really good health. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, my gosh. And it turns out, by the way, I come uh-huh. back to what we were talking about. Apparently, the way he's been dropping the ball is against the rules. So he could be <laughs> assessed penalties. <laughs> Make sure nobody's got a cameraman on him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm so sad I'm missing this. Uh, Jeff and Grenada asks if uh, a university can get an insurance policy on a player for injury or illness. Um, that would be a hard no. Because yeah, the then players that would... can get it can get injury, can get insurance, but the the university can't. Yeah, Tre- like Trevor Lawrence has a policy for sure, right? But Clemson yeah, the, cannot have a Trevor Lawrence policy, right? That that would fall under something you would give an employee, which the NCA wants you to know that they are not. Mike in Oxford says, "Don't fly. There are too many great food stops between Oxford and Houston. If uh, that game still that's happens. a true story. That's a true story." The, the 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 drive from Oxford to Houston might be the most delicious drive imaginable. Any, any from any spot in Mississippi to to any spot in Texas, you're going to pass at least four dozen good places to eat. Probably doesn't matter what road you take either. Question from the six six two: Will there be any fans at football games? I'm assuming he's talking about the ones here, since the NFL and MLB will have no fans. You're, you're actually well, a little ahead of yourself on the NFL thing. Yeah. Philadelphia, go ahead. No, John Cohen's going to address that in that interview in just a few minutes. I, I believe that we will see some fans let into the stadium for sure. Now, it may be fans who've donated a lot of money, and if you're not high up on the uh, the Bulldog Club or Loyalty Foundation uh, roster, you might be sitting at home. But I, I do believe they will make some attempt to get some fans into the stadium under social distancing and, and maybe possibly having to wear a mask kind of rules. Yeah, and the NFL is going to – they'll have the same thing. Now, certain places may not. Hey, Philadelphia, unless they reverse course, said, yeah. which I can't imagine that the team is going to let that fly. I mean, you think – would they have enough power locally to say, um, make an exception for us in your order, please? You would think that the Philadelphia Eagles would, would, would be able to pull that off. Especially if – again, you know – I know when the College World Series got canceled back in March, we all thought, oh, they're, they're overreacting. And it ended up having being something they ended up we're going to have to do. But I feel like if something had happened, if there had been some sort of miracle in April, that they could have put everything back together. Like, oh, no, no, we're back on, we're back on. I feel like the same thing is true here. That if we get to September and, this, and the, the vaccine you were talking about earlier proves effective and they can start mass producing it, that you know, decisions are reversible, I, I would think. I think so, too. It, it, it would have to be, especially when everybody else in the league is doing it. Like, I would be shocked, shocked, if there are not fans in the Superdome for the first Saints home game, which is against Tom Brady and the Bucks, week one. Yeah. I would be shocked if there, there are not fans there. There may be 10 to 12,000 of them. But there you will know, be. But, but there will be, be some black and gold nation, as they say, uh, in there, for sure. Yeah, and to, to your point, uh, from uh, – the 404, not familiar with that area code, but you say didn't NASCAR just have 20,000 fans at their race this week? Why is no one talking about that? I'm mystified by that, too. We brought it up yesterday, and, and my point was that should be a huge story that the yeah. biggest crowd that gathered since the pandemic happened was in Bristol on Wednesday night. 
And it's a huge stadium, 150,000 plus, and there was only, it was between 20 and 30,000 people. So much better chance to socially distance, but they also closed a lot of the stadium too. Yeah, they can make it work. 4-4 is Atlanta, by the way. Oh, nice. Well, uh, welcome to Mississippi, I guess. Um, I guess I should have known that, because Gagliano has a 404 number, I think. There you go. Speaking of which... 404, 4 plus 4 is 8, or 4 times 2 is 8, 2, 8. He's got a 3 in his phone number, 28 to 3. There it is. (laughs) Make it work. I was wondering where you were going. Did Did you see where the Saints tweeted out today, by the way? So Michael Thomas was wrote, was one of the 99s on 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 Madden. Yeah. And they they tweeted out like a bunch of graphics of, you know, offensive player of the year and best blah blah blah. And he said, "We don't have to tweet this every 3 hours when everybody just tells us we have the best receiver." It's oh. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I do find it so funny. Atlanta media's got themselves convinced that Michael Thomas only runs slants. Um here's a stat for you. Michael Thomas still would have led the NFL in receiving yards if you took every slant reception he had away last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they don't and, even and watch the games. And if all well, he did was It's the same thing with with Breeze. It's the, you know, he doesn't throw the deep ball. He throws plenty of deep balls. It's it's just it's just it's just a a narrative that's taken on a life of its own. And it they'll also say he only runs slants and also they force feed him the football. So if you knew he was only running slants and he's the only receiver that gets touches, why can't anybody stop him? Yeah. Maybe it's because he is that good. I don't know, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Cecil Hurt tweets, Golf Channel announces that Bryson DeChambeau on number 15 has been renewed for a second season. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Two-part interview. Long-form stuff with John Cohen starting next at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Mississippi State Director of Athletics, John Cohen. John, I would give just about anything right now to be talking to you about football, baseball, anything. I just want to make that just from the start. Like I would, I would really love to just talk sports with you today, but unfortunately we sort of are where we are. For me, you know, when you think about crisis management, for you that used to mean you know down two in the ninth, bottom of the order coming up, what what kind of changes am I going to make? What, what have you learned about yourself as a leader throughout all this? Well, I think I've learned that we have great leadership at the highest level at Mississippi State University under Dr. Mark Keenum. Um, I, I, I've just been so impressed. You know, you, you really don't find out as much about people um, – until you you go through situations like this, and he's just been phenomenal. Um, I, I have learned that we have an incredible staff. Um, our medical people led under the direction of um, Mary McClendon has just been phenomenal. Um, I, I just feel so fortunate to be part of an institution that wants to do things the right way and. Are we going to make mistakes? Of course we are. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Are we striving every day to do things the right way? Yes. And I, I think, um, you know, for now, we, we have, have done the things we need to do to, to, quite frankly, protect our student-athletes and do everything we can to, to be part of this university community, which 
you know, part of our responsibility is to protect all of the students and staff at Mississippi State University. So uh, it's difficult, it's challenging, um, but in a lot of ways it's rewarding because you don't you really, you mentioned this, Brian, you don't really don't find out a lot about yourself, your staff, until you're faced with these challenges. Yeah. You had to meet with the uh, the other athletic directors of the SEC uh, earlier this week, obviously, and of course the, the the tone of that meeting was probably not the most positive one, just based on what we've seen from the conference and the releases they made. What the NCAA said yesterday, just if you had to sort of give us, I, I know you've been considering all these situations, and, and you're probably not, and obviously not ready to make any kind of permanent decision, but if you had to give us an idea of where we are in terms of football season happening in a relatively normal fashion. How positive are you? Well, again, going back to leadership, you know, I I can't imagine going through this with anybody besides um, Greg Shanky. I, I think he has thought about everything. He's not quick to judge. He's not a knee-jerk reaction leader. He is somebody who looks at every eventuality, looks at every opportunity that's out there and I have total faith that he's going to make great decisions um, you know there are things there's a division of responsibility here obviously okay so the league has the responsibility of protecting um, student athletes uh, protecting officials pr- protecting visiting teams um, we're, we're more of protecting um, our fans, uh, protecting our institution. Um, and I think those two things have come together nicely. And I, I don't think the MC, I don't think the, the Southeastern Conference has run away from any of their responsibilities. And they have been tremendous throughout this entire process. It, it ain't going to get easier, Brian. It's going to get it's uh, it's going to get harder. But I I feel like Greg and his staff have been there for us, and it's been an incredible working relationship. So right now, when when you think about you know trying to put football season together and all of that, is it sort of a case of hurry up and wait because you have ideas and you have things you'd like to to start you know moving forward with, but at the same time you're sort of beholden to what's going on around the country. Well, quite frankly, Brian, we we need things to trend in a different direction, Um, you know, with this virus. I mean, we just do. Um, And I'm not an epidemiologist, so I don't get to say these five things need to happen for the trend to go in our direction. Um, But, you know, I don't know all the science behind a mask. I don't. And I do believe in personal freedom. I think that's why we live in the greatest country in the world. But but I will say this. If there's a one in a thousand chance that I'm helping to save someone's life or save somebody from getting sick or helping to move our society back to some sense of normalcy, I'm going to wear a mask. Um, I think there are things that we can all do. Um, and, and none of us are experts. In some ways, we're, we're flying a little bit blind because we get so much contradictory information um but i do think there are things we can do and if we all work together um i think we can you know reverse this trend and be able to play college football and all of our other fall sports volleyball soccer at michigan state 
We saw the NCA or uh, sorry USA Today release the uh, the NCA budget reports that they do every year. Mississippi State uh, in a pretty good spot. It looked like a, about a thirteen million dollar profit on athletics a season ago. How crucial is something like that at a time like this? Well, I, again, <clears throat> I, I'm not going to take credit for this. Um, uh, our, our fans have, have been incredible. Our, our support unit as a university has been incredible. Um, we, we do have one of the lower budgets in the Southeastern Conference. Um, quite frankly, we, we have a fewer amount of sports probably than anybody in the league um, or as few as anybody in the league. Um, if you look at Larry Templeton and his leadership when he was here all the way through Greg Byrne to Scott Strickland and, and now myself, all of us have been committed <clears throat> to putting away funds for you know a potential rainy day. And boy, we're in the middle of, we're not in a rainy day, we are in the rainforest right now. Um, I mean, it's we're, we're, this is a storm that we're in, and thank goodness, you know, the people before me and, and even now, uh, with the leadership of our university, we have been able to to put funds away to allow us to make decisions not strictly based on funding, but what's in the best interest of Mississippi State and the best interest of our student athletes. So I'm I'm very proud of that. Obviously, you know, getting fans into the stadium has been one of the, the biggest issues and the biggest topics we've talked about throughout all of this. Uh, Keith Carter was on Sports Talk Mississippi recently and talked about how, you know, there, there's, a, there's a point for, for allowing fans into the stadium where you're losing money. If it's only 25% of the stadium, it costs more money just to have your, your staff there than it does just to not have fans at all. Is, is there a point for you as well where you say, look, we can't have X percentage. We, we probably should go with no fans. Yeah, I, I li- listen, to me, this isn't all about dollars and cents. <clears throat> and even though I, I think what, what Keith is saying there, there, there's a lot of truth to what he's saying, uh, we probably would end up having a net loss at 25%. But let, let's keep this in mind. I, I think parents need to be able to come watch their kids play in any sport and families need to watch their kids participate. We forget that you have such a short window of your life experiences uh, as a young person that you get to share with your family. And this is, you know, I'm talking about all of our sports here. I I think that's of critical importance. So let's, let's not forget that the families deserve to watch these kids play their sports and hopefully that'll happen. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, um, I don't know what 25% of our, our total capacity is. I can get close to it. Is that 12,000? Is it 13,000 people? To, to me, it, it is worth it even, it, even if it is a net loss to have those people to create some type of environment for these student-athletes. This is what they signed up for. They signed up for to, to have people in the stands. And even though this isn't what we would want it to be, um, the student-athletes and, and the staff deserve to have some, as much support as we can provide them. And if that's 25%, then it's 25%. We hope it's more. But, again, that's going to be a, a state and local government decision. It's not going to be a Keith Carter or, or John Cohen decision in the state of Mississippi. That's an interesting point. Is that something that, you know, 
beyond the athletic directors, we, the, the government of this state would have a, a role in? Oh, there's, there's no question about that. And, in fact, uh, Dr. Keenum has been in touch with state and local government. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. The educational component is the most important thing here. You know, our students um, who come onto this campus to get an education, that, that is the whole ballgame. I mean, intercollegiate athletics is, is extremely important for a variety of reasons. But more important are those student athletes being able to get an education at a, at a world-class institution like Mississippi State. So, you know, Dr. Keenum has been in touch with all of these officials, and there's no question he's going to lead the way on, along with those officials on the capacity of our stadium. Um, I, I would love to see it more than 25%. Um, and, and again, I think we have some time. Do you, do you push the season back? just in order to have more people in the stands. That, that is a, an issue that's being wrestled with it at many levels right now as well. More with John Cohen when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Mississippi will continue Brian Haydad's conversation with John Cohen. They're going to turn the page here, talk a little bit about the baseball ruling that we got hot on yesterday. Uh, more with John Cohen right here on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We're going to change topics here, and, and you, you're a guy who might know a thing or two about baseball scholarships. I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but obviously we saw the NCAA ruling about uh, that they're going to allow for need-based aid to be or, or academic aid to be added on to the 11.7 rule. I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really understand why that ruling is a big deal. I don't know what it means to Mississippi State. Can you sort of talk me through what's happening here, and, and, and is it possible that Mississippi State could be in a position where they could offer more aid to players on top of that 11.7 scholarships? <clears throat> the, the answer to your question is yes. They, they have loosened a little bit the ability to have additional scholarship aid. How much does it affect Mississippi State? In my opinion, right now, not much. Um, the the need-based aid factor, quite, quite frankly, um, is it's, it's a game-changer in college baseball. And it probably could be a game-changer in many other equivalency sports um ryan i <laughs> here's the dirty little secret of the equivalency sports and i'll go specifically to baseball um nobody nobody in division one baseball has 11.7 scholarships right they either have more or they have less you know, there's a, a, a large contingency of schools that do not fully fund baseball, so they're beneath 11.7. But every institution has merit-based aid or need-based aid. The question is how much. There are many states around the southeastern region of the country that offers uh, tuition assistance um, from state government. Um, and if you add that in the mix, um, again, Schools are not operating at 11.7. I've said this many, many times. Um, it's kind of unfortunate, but 
if this were a football issue and somebody discovered in the sport of football <laughs> that one school had more scholarship aid than another school, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, yeah. Brian? I mean, seriously, um, there would be a war fought over this. But for whatever reason, with the equivalency sports, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking to mostly baseball here, it just it doesn't seem to move a needle anywhere. And it's, in my opinion, it's, it's unfortunate um, because, you know, the, these coaches are out there working their tails off in the best league in America and, and throughout the country. Um, they're, they're working their tails off to, to get kids to come to their institution. And quite frankly, it becomes a scholarship issue. So the more scholarship aid you have to offer, quite frankly, the better your program's going to be. And, and listen, I'll say this also, Ryan. We, we have a beautiful facility. We have arguably the best facility of its kind in, in the entire country, and we're really proud of that. But as nice a stadium as we have, if we're offering a kid a 25 or 40% scholarship, which is really common under the current guidelines, I mean, a kid and, and their parents, depending on their financial background, you know, they, they might say, hey, the stadium's beautiful, but I, I can't pay $30,000 a year to come play baseball for you yeah. because this other place is, is allowing me to come, you know, for $10,000 or paying nothing. So, again, the dirty little secret is kids are paying and their parents are paying the privilege of playing college baseball in the Southeastern Conference at most schools, at some schools, kids are are getting huge scholarship aid, and they're actually being not not necessarily paid, but rewarded because of the nature of their scholarship situation. And at, at most of the institutions in the SEC, kids are actually paying for the privilege to play baseball, and that that to me even speaks more to the, the caliber of the kids and the families that have to endure this in, in college baseball. So anyway, that was a long answer to a very short question. Um, it's just a shame that this is the way it has to be, but unfortunately it's it's the world we live in right now. I wanted a long answer to that question because honestly it's, it's a very confusing topic to me and I, I, I wanted to give a, more of an expert opinion on that. We'll, we'll wrap up with just this is a, sort of the same question that I've been asked. We had Ross Dellinger on who broke the story about what the NCAA guidelines for COVID-19. We asked him this question. I'm going to ask you, if, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I said we're going to play 10 football games this fall, what's your confidence level on that? Oh, wow. I don't, you know, I don't know if I can put it into a number. Because, um, you know, I, Brian, I'm kind of a numbers guy myself. I know you are. I ask, I ask people that, that same question. Um, I, I just I, I don't know. Um, I, I would say it's 9 out of 10 that we're going to play college football at some point. Um, I, I don't feel quite as comfortable saying 9 out of 10 uh, in the time frame of the fall. Um, just because there are so many unknowns. Yeah. Um, but, but again, I, you know, one of the things that bothers me when, as I read you know, comments from the media around the country is, I, you know, people get angry at optimism. Yeah. I mean, that, that one really escapes me. I mean, I read 
people criticizing optimism. Boy, I hate to think that's where we are in our country right now, that you get criticized for being optimist, optimistic. But I, I want to continue to be optimistic because I think our student-athletes and Mississippi State deserves to have optimism. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's And it's the people in our business. By the way, that was John Coney joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Fantastic interview. Um, it touched a lot of bases there. But that, that last part especially really speaks to me because it's our business that's the problem. If you're listening to this right now and we're the only platform that you consume, and I've heard from a lot of you that say that this is the only sports that, that you consume, sports media that you consume. You get in the car. You listen to us on the way home, but otherwise you're dealing with your job and your wife and your kids and stuff. So for that, first of all, we thank you, but you're lucky enough to have missed it. But if you're on Twitter or online or any way, our business and people that work in sports media have, for the last few months, decided that anybody that wants to look at anything positively is therefore stupid. And that is the most miserable way to exist and it's an embarrassment on our entire field, the way some people have acted. And I'm glad to hear somebody just call them out on that garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was, you know, very uh, upfront about how he felt. Also, you know, how how fired up was he during that baseball talk? You could you could feel <laughs> the frustration coming out of that man. A guy who, you know, had had, like he said, had to coach and recruit against schools able to add more aid to their, their scholarship package than he was able to. And he's right, you know, State's got a great stadium. Ole Miss has, had a, has, a, has a great stadium. And kids want to play in those facilities, but they can't. a lot of kids can't afford to do that. So hopefully this, this new rule change will uh, allow for some, uh, some much-needed relief along those lines. Mike, I am trying to get this thing fixed, man, I promise. Um... Audio what's, what's situation happened in the, on the stream, but I think I think I've got it. I think so. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, man, um, I, I'm going to clip that entire thing and send that to Richard. Uh, John Cohen's like entire yeah. answer and send that to Richard. He'll uh, enjoy that. Yeah, there it is. I fixed it. Awesome. Uh, we do get somebody that disapproved with that uh, interview. They said that first half was some of the best butt kissing they've heard in a while. Wow. Um, Hmm. Can't please everybody, can you? I mean, I don't. I don't know what they want me to do there, but oh well. I don't really care either. So, what did you think uh, on, on a handful of fronts? His confidence that football is going to happen. He mentioned delaying the season, and I don't think that was by accident. Yeah, and then that I think common sense sort of tells us right now that obviously Labor Day, it's just not going to happen. That I, I, I'm of the belief now that I will be cooking out Labor Day weekend because I will not be in a football stadium. Um, but, and he even said, you know, about the fall. So that makes you think, you know, is he talking about, fall is such a weird time in the South because it's still hot all the way up to like the first week of November. But what is he talking about in terms of a start of the season? I, I don't really know there. But that said, uh, he, I mean, nine out of ten, that it's going to happen. There's going to be football at some point. You know, and I, I think he would be the first one to tell you, being a baseball guy, you don't want to have it during the spring. So we'll see if that's the case or not. More coming up. Tony and Clara, man, your check's in the mail. He said, I'm spoiled listening to this show. I don't watch or listen to any other. Great content every day. I appreciate you, man. I really do. Thank you, Tony.
Appreciate that. And you're not alone. So some of you guys have been immune to it, but just the overwhelming majority of sports media people, at any time anybody tries to show any sort of positive news or optimism when it comes to getting sports back, they get sh- uh, spoken down to like they're stupid. And we're not stupid. We just have a better outlook on life than you. And that's okay. I'm pretty stupid. No, me too. But um, that's a different story. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. So this Bryson DeChambeau story is getting worse. Shot a 10, I saw. Took a 10. <laughs> and that's not all. A couple of things, uh, one less important than the other. The first is, if you've been listening to the show every day, you know that Bryson recently got into it with a cameraman at a different tournament uh, because after uh, he, I think he took two shots to get out of a bunker and then he turned around and like slammed his club into the ground and kind of pitched a little hissy fit. Um, the cameraman followed him from green to the next tee, which is his job to do. He was not out of line whatsoever. And Bryson went after this cameraman, not physically, but verbally went after this cameraman because he didn't like that he was being filmed when he was mad. And he was quoted after the round and basically said, they want to film us when we're like this and the tour should stop that because it hurts our brand. Okay. After he has this meltdown and ends up taking a 10 on this hole, a cameraman is following him down the fairway. His caddy runs and gets in front of the camera and blocks the camera from showing his player. Um, Nobody does that. Here's the worst part. Bryson, before one of his drops, improved his lie. And that you can't do that. that. That's cheating if you don't call yourself on it. So he's in the rough, and for some reason he's trying to take a three wood from 300 out of pretty thick rough. You see on video, he takes his club and puts his club down right where he drops the ball. So he improved the spot in which he dropped the ball. That is very against the rules. That's a penalty. That's outright cheating if you don't call yourself on it. Sometimes that happens, like you mistakenly do something and you call a penalty on yourself. That's why they call it the gentleman's game. This, if not called, is outright cheating. He directly, I mean, it's on video. He directly improved his lie before he dropped the ball after he hit 1-0-B. That's cheating if he, if he doesn't call himself on it. If I took you out to a, a PGA course, right? If I took you out to the course right now, that hole on a par five there, could you could you do better than ten? Could you get in under than ten? If it was like, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you get in in ten. Yeah, <laughs> I could. <laughs> I would take seven so iron off pre- the tee. You want, <laughs> you want more pressure? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I could. I mean, it's a meltdown. Uh, that's exactly what it is. It, it is an outright, full-on, 10-cup-esque meltdown that he had to take a 10 on that hole and to, to keep getting, trying to hit three wood out of the rough from 300 yards on a par five. It, that's just, that's a that's a meltdown, plain and yeah. simple. I could, I could get to 12, I think. Maybe, maybe 13. Speaking of... Um, it looks like Tiger Woods is going to make the cut. We were worried for a long time it wasn't going to happen. Uh, he didn't play well today. Shot 76 today, so that was four over on his round. 
He was plus three on the day. The cut line was around one or two, but it has moved down to three, so Tiger Woods is going to play on the weekend. Uh, Patrick Reed, speaking of cheaters, also barely made it at three over. Speaking of people that Borky despises. <laughs> Brooks Kepka's in at three over, but the top of the leaderboard, it's a good-looking uh, uh, page one, at least after the first two days. You've got Tony Finau and Ryan Palmer at nine under, John Rahm at eight, Gary Woodland's up there at six. Uh, you've got Steve Stricker, haven't seen his name in a while, shot 66 today. Uh, he's at four under, Jim Furyk's at four under, Jordan Spieth is up there at four. Jason Day's hanging around. Uh, Roy McElroy's at two. Justin Thomas is at two. So a good little leaderboard there at the Memorial. The course has been tough, but the story is going to be um, Bryson and then the residual effects. I mean, did somebody catch that he improved his lie? And what's going to happen after that? Because I know it's if you're not a golfer, that sounds ridiculous. And I play didn't all. They, uh, didn't they? They put an end to the whole people calling from home to snitch on rules violations. They did, and that was a good thing because I mean, well, some of it was ridiculous. Yeah, and I feel like kind this, of, yeah, that's yeah. bad, man. You you just simply can't do that. I mean, I do it when I'm hacking around with my buddies all the time, but that's because we're trying to break ninety. Uh, it's a little bit different when you're on tour. There's not a few hundred thousand on the line when you and the guys get together? Nothing other than a handful of beers. That's about it. I got you. King Biscuit said, or is asking why, uh, why I think he's a jerk. Well, it started with, I, I would call it irrational. He just He's one of those people where he just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. When he came on tour, he started talking about how he understands the physics of the game more than most people, and the way he plays is better than everybody else, and he did the every iron is the same length, and he's really the only guy to play that way. And just the way he came across of, I'm smarter than you, and I do this better than you, despite not winning anything of consequence, always rubbed me the wrong way. But recently, attacking the cameraman for just doing his job and stuff like that has really bothered me. He got into an altercation with Brooks Kepka's caddy uh, on a, a practice green before a round, and he told the caddy that tell Brooks if he's got something to say, come say it to my face. Like, he's that kind of guy. He just He's always rubbed me the wrong way, but now he's taken it to a point where he's getting into it with cameramen, and that's where you it just goes too far. It's beyond, I just don't like him. Now it's, you're just being, you're being a jerk. But I do have a little bias. Hits the ball a long way, though, and it's really fun to watch. Third hour coming up, Sports Talk Mississippi. Good to be with you on a Friday afternoon. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. No Richard today. He'll be back uh, for the Radiothon on Thursday. In case you missed it, you've got another hour or so uh, to send us an item for the silent auction. Uh, we're taking those for another hour. Gave you the email address a, a little bit ago. Send them there. And uh, looking forward to having you join us on Thursday. And hey, Dad, your first one, man. Yeah. I'm excited. It's really cool. It's. I wish we were doing the whole thing, the whole shebang, you know, where we could get up there and be a part of that. But you know, I'll see you in Jackson, I guess. Yeah. Um. Hopefully next year it'll uh, things will settle I'm down sure. and be back to normal. Buddy, if it's not, we got bigger issues if we're not able to travel by the end of next year. <laughs> we do get this text here. On that note, from the six six two, he says you will see college football in September twenty twenty one. They're hitting the pause button. 
You can't operate football at a loss. Like you said, it pays the bills. No sports till next fall. No gain. No loss. Just common sense. Well, the issue with that is they won't. They will end up. They may lose money in terms of like some short-term stuff, but getting that money from the SEC network is going to make that go away. And to 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 get that money, you're going to have to have football. So I I, I don't think. I think that's sort of putting the cart before the horse there, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're going to have football because they need that SEC network money. That's what keep that's what's keeping people afloat, not so much, you know, uh, the ticket sales and things like that. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because hitting the pause button, with all due respect, I, I'm, I hope you don't think I'm being flippant towards you, uh, hitting the pause button is the exact opposite of common sense. In fact, hitting the pause button would be financially detrimental and it wouldn't just hurt football it would eliminate programs that offer scholarships in non-revenue sports by the thousands across the country so we'll start with that right here in the five o'clock hour it's the college football fix driven by ford and your local mississippi ford dealer dealers it's a story i saw from nj.com so uh, i forget what the paper actually is but it's the, the statewide paper in New Jersey, but I think you can directly apply that to what's going on around here because when you think of the Big Ten, it is a Power Five conference. They do have programs like Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State that have massive stadiums, big-time budgets, and are, well, relatively speaking, in Michigan's case, nationally competitive. But... <laughs> but they do have... Um, fewer nationally competitive teams than the SEC. So if these dollar figures apply to the Big Ten, imagine what it's going to be like around here. According to NJ.com, Rutgers, for example, faces a $50 million hole in just Rutgers' budget if there's no football. It's more than double that if Ohio State does not play a football season this year. In total, according to NJ.com, $1 billion dollars with a B. One billion dollars would be lost by the Big Ten if you combine all 14 teams together. One billion dollars in just university losses if they do not play football this year. So yeah, it it feels like I can add 10% for the SEC, right? A couple more teams. I I I feel pretty confident that's going to be the case. Yeah, and that's why John Cohen, that's part of the reason why he's saying it's a 9 out of a 10. That's why I've been in the same boat. I mean, when you're talking about a place like Rutgers, who does not have good attendance, does not have any kind of national brand, does not win games, really, at all. Right, uh, right. They basically just collect the check from the Big Ten, and... $54.6 $54.6 million was the anticipated dollar amount from that check from the Big Ten, which is mostly tied into television revenue, uh, is something that would be in jeopardy. That's why, at the end of the day, they'd like to have fans. You heard John Cohen just talking about that. But it's imperative these games are played so they can be played on television so that advertising money can come in, so those six. $60 million. We talked about budget yesterday. State Ole Miss, both over $100 million. But how much of that is SEC network money? 50 to 60% of that. So they have to get that money. They have to, to have these games on television. They have to play football. And I saw it was a sports columnist from the New York Daily News kind of went after Ed Orgeron yesterday. And 
Uh, I actually, I responded to her. Uh, her name is Jane McManus, and it was in response to Ed Orgeron saying that we need football back because it's the lifeblood of America. And she said, grown man who makes living off unpaid college athletes playing games said, quote, football is the lifeblood of our country and appears to have been serious. Meanwhile, cases soaring in SEC territory. That is somebody that is a sports writer uh, for the New York Daily News. And um, nobody in New York uh, can look down on the South or SEC country on the way we've handled coronavirus. That's number one. Uh, But two, as a sports writer, shouldn't you understand how important football is to a lot of places? Not just the South, but really how important it is to the South. And I'm not talking about from an emotional perspective. We love football, and it's a, a big part of our life, but from an economic standpoint. Ed Orgeron's a little goofy. We all know that. But if you took the New Orleans Saints and LSU football away from the state of Louisiana for one year, what do you think happens to the economy in Louisiana? It's devastating. It's devastating. Absolutely devastating. And then not just not just those, you know, Baton Rouge and uh, and New Orleans, right? They they could handle it. They 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 could. It would suck, but they could handle it. Monroe, Lafayette, Ruston, uh, you know, those schools, those towns, they they need football to happen. They need it. So you know, when when Ed Ordron's talking about the lifeblood of America, he's he's not trying to talk about we just need to be there as fans, you know, so we can scream and yell. He's talking about millions of Americans have their livelihood, even if you don't work in football. You know, think about Oxford, Starkville, and Hattiesburg restaurants, shops, all of those things. They budget yearly based on okay, we're going to have football games, so how many people are going to come this weekend, and so on and so forth. If you take that away from them, they're just they're going to close. They're going to close down, and a lot of them will never come back. And you're going to have, you know, you, you drive through small-town Mississippi, well, Starkville, Oxford, and Hasburg will become those towns. Because, you know, they'll have some chain restaurants. They'll have Walmart, but it's going to be about it. Yeah. And I understand the point, I truly do, about how they are just college students. They're technically unpaid, although diminishing the value of a scholarship is really irresponsible. Um, but I get the point. Because they are just college students. And uh, Mike asked us the question yesterday, if the campuses are shut down, should they play football? And my answer, if the campus is closed, my answer is no. Because if it's not safe enough to go to college, it's not safe enough to play college football. But that's why you're seeing such an adaptation. And we've had a couple of university professors in this state, and I actually talk to one on a relatively regular basis, that they're... Their class schedule changes by the day. It's, this week they'll be told, well, all of your classes will be online. And the next week it's, wait, no, 20% of your classes are going to be online. So it's kind of a mess. But that's why they're doing this, because the universities themselves, even the ones that don't really have football, right, if it doesn't matter, if the universities don't open this fall off the back of students, they lose. The towns lose. Still. It's not just football. It's the universities existing as they currently are, which drives economies all across the country. So, yes, I do think the campuses need to be open to some degree to play. I don't think it's right if they are shut down to field a football team. But I also advocate for the players being given avenues to make money, too. 
So I think that they should play if they can because people depend on it. And I also think they should be able to get compensated for their labor. It's almost as if you can have multiple thoughts at the same time. That's dangerous. Just be careful. I wouldn't I wouldn't go too far down that road trying to have multiple opinions. You know, you need to lock into one thing and just be done with it. Uh tickets. So Cohen mentioned that uh, ticket sales are, are beyond uh you know, just dollars and cents and uh, a story came out earlier uh Chase Parham did a great job on uh, describing old misses plan in case they have to sell 50% of their stadium or less. They have a plan in place. They're prepared and have budgeted for that. It was really well done, but in the Big Ten's example from this story, just to highlight how much money this truly is, if Ohio State had to play in an empty stadium, that is a $50 million loss if they play in an empty stadium. $50 million. It's a lot of money. They also have 105,000 seats, but the point still stands. $50 million. So if they can just get somebody inside of that stadium, maybe it, it'll help to some degree. But the, the circumstances are dire. We tell you this every day, and we find different angles to describe this to you, but that's why they're working so hard, and that's why I'm confident that a season is going to happen. 601-879-4395 is the text line. C Spy reminds you don't text and drive. And that was your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Quinn didn't like me calling it Orgeron Goofy, and he sends a picture of him standing behind the national championship trophy. Fair enough. He is a little goofy. He's a goofy. It's okay. Nothing wrong with being that. He definitely wasn't wrong either, though. No. Darren and Jackson says, shouldn't we have high school football? Uh, according to that same argument. Yeah, Darren, I, I think if if high schools are operational in some way or another, then it, it is a little bit different. Although I think they should play. And I think the data backs up the fact that they should play. Um, it is a little bit different when they don't have the access to testing that SEC players will. I've seen a lot of people suggest that you've seen FCS and Division Two and Division Three leagues uh, either shut down for the year or move their season to spring, and their answer is simply, we just can't test our guys all the time. We can't afford it. It's expensive. I mean, to test everybody in athletic department, it's thousands and thousands of dollars per time you do it. And you have to do it once at least a week, and some of these places just can't afford it. So that's why it's a little bit easier for colleges to pull this off than high school because they can test the guys in college a lot more than they can the high school guys. But I'm with you. I think they need to play or try their hardest to play. Now, there could be another outbreak or something or an outbreak within the school that derails it, but it is vital not for money, not for economics when it comes to high school, but just vital for their well-being and just to have kids get to do kids stuff. Uh, missing a full year of social interaction and sports and clubs in school is so detrimental. It's imperative that they try to make it happen. Especially when you think about what we were talking about earlier, about how 
if they let guys opt out this year, right, because they have another year of eligibility or whatever, there's no such thing in high school. You know, no no senior in high school is going to come back for another year of high school when it's time to go to college. So, you know, these they talk about these are the best days of your life. Well, you only get four of them. You only get those four years. So, you know, hopefully they can find a way. I, I, I feel pretty confident they're going to play. They, I mean, the MHSAA thinks they're going to be playing high school football. They think they're just going to delay the season and get after it. So I think that's going to happen. 601-879-4395. King Biscuit said, it's thousands, but at least they can get a test. I mean, that, that's true, but that's why... And by the way, um, so we had breaking news earlier that the SWAC was canceling their season. The commissioner... Yeah, true. The commissioner of the league has came out and said, that's not true right now. We have not canceled anything, so Brett McMurphy may be a little premature on that reporting. It's, it's, his, it's his Belk Bowl reporting again. What happened there? Uh, last December, on, on the on bowl selection day, he put out that State was going to the Belk Bowl, and then, of course, as we know, there were some strings pulled behind the scenes at the last minute that ended up with State in the uh, Music City Bowl. Oh. Hmm. Get a text here from the 662. Don't understand all the testing. It's great, but no one else is walking around testing each week, and I work in a hospital. Uh, that's true, but no one else is playing football. I mean, that, that's kind of the deal here is NBA players are getting tested almost daily. But that's because they're playing a game that they come in close contact with each other and they sweat on each other and they breathe on each other. And also there's millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. Same yeah. thing with the NFL in college football. It's, I mean, I would like to get tested once a week. That would be nice, but I don't need to, like you said, because... I'm not really coming into close contact with anybody. I've kept my social distance. At work, I can literally quarantine myself in my office to do show prep until I come into this studio where I shut this five-inch thick door for soundproofing reasons and nobody comes near me. I can spend my entire workday and not come within 10 feet of somebody. I think that's more the other people who work there, though. They just don't want to be around you. Well, probably so. I wouldn't want to be around me either. Yeah. I got mad at Alex earlier. I had to re-record our Palmer Home videos. Mm-hmm. Mine was too long. And I was trying to be funny, but it came off like a jerk. And I know she's listening right now, and I feel bad. But I said, I mean, can't you just drop it in a software and cut out the stuff you don't need? <laughs> so I spent the entire Cohen interview. I don't. If you were watching on stream, you probably got a good laugh because I'm sitting here on the stream with a phone right in front of my face, like taking selfies. But I was trying to record a video, and I did probably 30 takes on it. I did one take of mine, and she said it was fine. So, well, you'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'm, I'm old Johnny one take over here. Text from 662. A lot of people don't seem to understand the financial differences between FCS, Group of Five, and Power nah. Five. Different world when it comes to resources and testing. Absolutely. That, that it is. That it is, 100%. I haven't seen much uh, from Conference USA and what they're planning on doing when it comes to Southern Miss. Uh, I, I would love to get an honest answer, and I understand why we haven't gotten an answer yet, because maybe they, they simply don't know, but Southern Miss's budget is very different than that of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And if they were required to pay for testing of the 125 people or so that work within athletics, are they going to be able to afford that? Maybe they can. And at some point, it's to preserve our existence, we got to play football, so we have to test everybody. But the answer 
for Southern Miss is different than Ole Miss and Mississippi State. SEC teams can just say, oh, yeah, we'll test every week. Not a problem. We're in. Yeah, It's a little bit it. different answer for the Conference USA teams. Yeah. It's, and and for the, by that same token, the Sun Belt, the AAC, all of them. All of them. You know, we, we've tried to talk about the difference between State and Ole Miss and USM in terms of, you know, football talent and how, how different it is than what it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. This is another example, though. You know, Mississippi State's athletic budget and Ole Miss's athletic budget, as we talked about, over $100 million. Southern, I believe, is, is a little closer to $20, 25000000 million. So four times bigger. So you talk about t- testing capability. I mean, if, if I don't know how much a test is. If it, let's say it's 100 bucks, It's probably more than that. But if it's 100 bucks, to test 85 guys is, is, is you know, talking about $8,500 yeah. for every test. Well, I mean, for USM, in 10 days, now we're talking about, you know, a, 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 a severe chunk of their budget. So, yeah, it's going to – it is the the differences are really going to show themselves, and that's part of the reason. It, it feels like we've been sort of playing with fire this whole time with football. That if something happened like this, the whole system was going to collapse because we've got schools like USM and and ULM dependent on these buy games. We got FCS teams dependent on buy games. We've got schools like Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Alabama dependent on television money. So. You know, and, and there was just never any, and, and I, I get that. You know, nobody's going to sit there and say, "Look, look, we're making all this money. Maybe in case we sh- we should just keep some of it aside in case there's a pandemic." Nobody in athletics is going to do that. I get that, but man, it, it really does feel like it's you know, you you, you own a Mercedes Benz, but you don't have twenty bucks to put gas in it sometimes. Yeah, and something I always go back to too to add to what you said and, and what the texter said. Um, I love pointing this out. I had a couple of teammates that played for Presbyterian College when they went to uh, Ole Miss in 2014. Yeah. And good high school player, great high school player. The Blue players, Hose. But the Blue Hose, yeah. It's a Scottish warrior that wears a skirt. But um, <laughs> you got to be tough to wear a skirt, but go ahead. They, uh, they used the money for that game to install lights in their stadium for the first time. Yeah. You want to talk about the financial difference between two programs that – Technically, are Division One. There, there you go. They used a buy game to install lights that they've never had before in their stadium. Right, yeah. and then and there's just there's probably examples of that all over the place. You know, I always think I always think about state a few years back when Mullen first came in. You know, they scheduled Jackson State his first year, Alcorn his second year. The third year they were supposed to play Mississippi Valley, but Valley didn't have enough players on scholarship for state to be able to count the win, so they had to cancel the game. And in so doing so, they canceled, I think, a $750,000 check. And I'm just, all I was thinking was for the want of five, six scholarships, however much that was, they probably, that's probably what, a third of, of Valley's budget, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And they just couldn't do it. So, I mean, yeah, the, 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 it's, 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 it's really something when we talk about football and how much money it makes, but how razor thin the margins for it seem to be. Richard Starkville says no high school football in the state would cripple the high school athletic budgets. It, I'm sure it would, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just like anything else. Football pays the bills at, at high schools the same way it does at colleges. Maybe not to the same degree, but they count on that doesn't money. Hurt. People, you know, those budgets were made. They weren't made yesterday. They weren't made once the the pandemic started. They were made last year. 
And, you know, the, nobody took into account, oh, we might not. We might not have football with something that nobody took into account making a budget at any athletic department or any business in the country. And yet, here we are. Jay on the Delta says, could you imagine what Forrest Gump could have done with another year in college? (laughs) (laughs) Jeff says he thinks a single test is a few hundred dollars. Yeah, we were told uh, that uh, Ole Miss spent around... Richard said 90000 but that was to test everybody, and they did two different forms of testing. That was one time, though. So it's real money, man, and not everybody has it. More of your texts coming in. We'll get to those next at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Got a text here that says somebody took the test today. Paid 120 bucks for it. Part of that was for the office visit. Uh, no insurance on that. So 120 bucks to take a test. I'm just scared of that big nasal swab thing. I know, like, NBA players are – like, they've got the advanced stuff because, like I said, they're they're worth billions and I'm worth – well, don't look at my bank account. But – Less. We'll just say less. Much less than that. But I get really uncomfortable with anything like that. I'm okay with shots. Shots are fine. They don't bother me. But uh, I broke my nose playing football in high school. And that created all kinds, like, I had a deviated septum and and my allergies were real bad. And so I got a procedure where they stuck this thing up my nose and, like, cut a bunch of stuff, like polyps and crap out. And I can breathe again. It's really nice. Uh, Cosmetically, didn't do anything. And I've got a honker, so I wish they would have gone in there and fixed that, too. But uh, they didn't. (laughs) Didn't help, but go ahead. Appreciate you making me, you know, wince over here thinking about this uh, this procedure. Yeah, it was, it was tough, man. Apparently, they took a, a hammer and a chisel to part of it to like straighten oh my up. My yeah, man, it was something else. Um, but I can breathe again. It's amazing. Um, but I guess that's the price you have to pay. But my goodness, yeah the uh, the the initial like doctor visits and stuff they had to shove stuff up there to to look around and make sure they were going to do the right procedure when i got in there and that was the worst i could not imagine um oh we're getting texts that say it's not as innovative as it or invasive excuse me as it was in the beginning well that's good if i ever have to take one i yeah the first one looked rough i saw um one nba player described it as Man, they went and touched my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want any part of that. Oh, man. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. We get a text that says Ole Miss also spent a million five to move that statue. Yeah. Did they end up spending the million five? The the, the million five was to to put it over there in the cemetery and do all that uh, that renovation. Uh, I don't know that that's happening. Yeah, it's not getting spruced up like uh, that initial rendering said it was. Yeah, Uh, they may they may have just had to pay for somebody to move it. At this point, it kind of seems like what's happening here. No headstones or anything like that. They keep releasing statements. I I can't decide whether or not that was something that we should have talked about on the show. I just don't think enough people really care you know if you you want my honest opinion i feel like we've covered enough confederate related issues <laughs> this year to to do me for the rest of my natural life all right for a war that was fought a hundred and some odd years ago hundred and gosh it's going on 60 now 
Yeah, I feel like we've covered it enough. I did learn today. We'll get back to sports in a second. I did learn today that there's a small town in Canada, if you can believe this, that has a full-on memorial for Nazi SS soldiers. In Canada, a small town in Canada with no ties to it whatsoever. What? 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 Yeah, and, and people have uh, defaced right. the monuments and stuff there, the homage I, I to saw the German today. soldiers. I saw something today that said Nazi memorial. I don't know if it was the same one. It says Nazi memorial defaced being looked at as a hate crime. And yeah, I was just like, really? Hey, that that's feels awfully Can ironic. That's in Canada. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Blues Brothers. Yeah, I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> uh, we did get a follow-up from uh, the person that worked in the hospital earlier uh, who asked about all the testing. They said they didn't understand it. And he said, just FYI, we're exposed daily in close quarters with COVID, just like the players. We do not test unless there are symptoms. Most medical people are not freaked out by COVID. P.S. I have a college player in my house as well. Appreciate the show. Well, we appreciate you. Glad you're listening. I think it's mostly... It's optics, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But at the same time, you know, you're and if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. But you're in the hospital exposed to COVID. But at the same time, aren't you, you know, constantly wearing a mask and and you know, doing the things that you're supposed to be doing to protect yourself? When these guys are practicing, they're not wearing masks. You know, they're they're going to be breathing and sweating and bleeding on each other. So, you know, the, hence the need maybe for daily for daily uh, testing. I, I, could be honest, I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's what I would think. Yeah, and if you have the resources, do it. I mean, why not? If the NFL has the resources to test multiple times a week, and the, and that's when you can get the players to agree that they're comfortable playing games. If hey, look, I gotta make, I gotta know that the other team is clean. I gotta know. And if you got the resources, by all means, test as much as you can. It, the only hang-up with SEC football happening this year, I say the only, it's the biggest one, is the ability to turn over tests in a reasonable amount of time. That's your hang-up. The, the availability's there. The financing is there. It's just if they can test on Wednesday and get an answer by Friday. That's the biggest, most important deal to getting football back. A lot of other things have to happen, too, but that's the most important thing. If that doesn't happen, we're not getting football, no matter what else goes on. I agree. I agree 100%. Really good text here as well, and I, I witnessed this firsthand. Um, they say, too many 18-year-old young men think that the only reason they, they go to school is for football. They know if I keep my grades up, that means I can play football. And that one piece of paper, the high school diploma, might be the difference between an eight twenty-five an hour job or a fifteen dollar an hour job or no job at all, living in the streets. Yeah, football is important in small town Mississippi. That's a that's a really good point, and underscores one of the many reasons why the MHSAA is trying to play ball this year. Because it does. I had teammates of mine in high school that the only reason why they tried in school was to maintain eligibility to play ball. And yeah. now those guys are working professionals. And, and it's the same thing with, with college to, to a degree, too. You know, there are a lot of, you know, we've got the Cardell Jones types out there. They're, you know, they're there to play football. And, you know, and getting a degree becomes a byproduct of that, and it helps a lot of people. But if you take football out of the equation, 
you know, why why am I going to class? You know, so, so I I don't know. I, I don't want to go too down the, the road. You know, I, I I agree with a lot of what Orgeron said, but I'm not going to sit there and try to you know make it sound like right. the country will fall apart if we don't have football. But it's important. It's important to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And that is one I just I haven't thought of yet. Uh, Kevin and Newton says, imagine having a toilet brush shoved up your nose to clean the back of your throat. That's how bad the coronavirus test felt. <laughs> uh, I plug my ears, but they, my ears have the headphones on. <laughs> Josh in Philadelphia uh. says he took it two weeks ago and it wasn't that bad. Just made him feel like he had to sneeze. Well, Get another text. That uh, sounds better. Yeah, that's better. And the NBA guys, they're just having to spit in a vial now. That's all they have to do. Nothing's getting shoved up there anymore. Well, I want to take that test. That's why months ago, this story kind of flew under the radar, but months ago, the league invested millions into that innovative testing, and nobody really talked about it because why would they? There was other stuff going on, but that's why they did that. So their players didn't have to get the the swab. Forward thinking, that's pretty impressive. Smart money. Smart people. Uh, we do get a text here encouraging people to donate blood. That's uh, really important right now. Yeah, I know here in Starkville on the Monday the 20th, they'll be doing that uh, in the Vowles uh, Shopping Center parking lot. Uh, it's by appointment only, though, so you need to find out about that. If you follow uh, MSU on Twitter, MSU Football, they were tweeting about that earlier today. Sue in Greenwood says, I thought the government said they were going to pick up the tabs on the COVID test. Uh, if they are doing that, they haven't done that yet. Uh, I know a handful of people that have taken it and uh, have had to pay for it. Varying degrees of price, but um, so far that has not happened to my knowledge. Okay. I'm just looking at this last text we got here and from Josh. and uh, But no, we're not. We're not going to say that on the air. You're right. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, Josh. You nailed it, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, Josh says he took the test in the same way that uh, that Tennessee fraternity drank beer a few years ago. Uh, well, about time for me to hit the old dusty trail. It is Friday. It's almost 6 o'clock on a Friday. That was the funniest press conference I've ever seen. Which one was that? When the Tennessee fraternity that got uh, suspended, or I think kicked off campus for uh, consuming beer in a very unconventional way. Yeah. They did a press conference. Like 15 of these guys are standing behind a podium looking all serious when they're talking about consuming beer in an unconventional okay. way. Surely you can say that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> just say the word. Just, just feel free. It'll be all right. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.